ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what Tap delivers. This week, we speak with Joel Williams of One Rate Gear. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Joel Williams of One Rate Gear. Joel, thanks for taking time out of your day, man. I know your kids are at softball right now. and Sit down and Tell us a little bit about yourself and one rate. Welcome. Thank you, guy. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. So we'll just jump right into it, man. Why don't you give us a little uh, intro and some background about yourself and well, talk about your hunting and outdoor life and the values and what it means to you. So the stage is all yours. Okay. Well, um, my name's Joel Williams, and uh, I I grew up in Elko, Nevada. Um, I'm married to a beautiful wife uh, named Ashley, and we have three daughters, and their names are Leah, Eve, and Vale. And so I'm a pretty lucky, lucky man. I got a beautiful family, and and. Uh, we all have good health and and so life is good so tell us um, oh sorry about that nope go ahead tell us a little bit about your outdoor life so <clears throat> growing growing up in uh in nevada as a kid i i, I grew up in a, a place that's it's about 10 miles um, it would be east of Elko, a place called Osino. And uh, we we lived kind of out in the sticks, you could say. Um, 
there wasn't, we didn't have a lot of neighbors or anything like that. It was all dirt roads. And uh, as a kid, I, I'd just explore and, and uh, ride my bike all over in what, what they call the adobes. It's uh, just kind of the, the foothills out there um, of Nevada. And so that, I guess that's kind of where I started in the outdoors was, was, uh, just exploring, you know, um, going as far as I could, I could go in a day and finding new places. Um, you know, if you're, if you're four or five miles away from home as a little kid, that's quite a ways. And especially when you're out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, so it was uh, exciting uh, going out and, and we used to hunt lizards and, uh, you know, try, we, we would try and find those, those, uh, beautiful spots that, that nobody knew about. And well, at least we thought nobody knew about it except for us. And, uh, <clears throat> so that's, that's kind of how, um, it all started in the outdoors for me was, uh, was just just being out there, just me and my dog. I had a dog named Pansy, and she was a she was a border collie cocker spaniel mix, and she used to go everywhere with me, and uh, <clears throat> and so you know, I, I just I, I spent a lot of time out there um, as a kid. Just uh, you know, there was no paved roads to to ride my bike on there there was no stores out there that's just uh what i did and so um i i grew up in a family uh that we were taught to work hard growing up at, at a young age um, my dad started a construction company um from nothing uh, he didn't, he didn't come from a whole lot. Uh, his family never did have money and he had kind of a, a rougher upbringing and, uh, through hard work, perseverance, he, he started his own business. And so I was able to, to watch my father as, as I was growing up, my older brothers. And, uh, I learned what a, a good work ethic is. And and being able to overcome adversity and, you know, just getting up every day and battling. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's how great things are accomplished. People think that it takes, um, you know, you, you have to be super smart or, or you have to uh, know the right people. Um, I think those things are... Uh, factors for sure but i think that the most important part is just persevering and not giving up and always uh putting yourself out there to where you have that opportunity to catch that break and it takes a little bit of luck sometimes but uh eventually if if you work hard enough that luck will find you just grind it out that's right. That's so important, man. Um, 
So what got you into hunting? Well, um, so as a, as a kid, my dad was a, a big, uh, hunter. He, he was more of what you'd say a mountain man type guy. You know, he trapped, um, he, he's a big gun enthusiast and that's just, that's just the lifestyle that, that we, we lived, uh, where I'm from in, in Northeastern Nevada. Um, and so hunting was, was always something that was ingrained in us from a very early age. Um, in fact, my dad, how he started his business was <clears throat> he would, he, he would split firewood and, and so, uh, whenever he was out in, um, wilderness or, um, you know, um, out in the country, he, he, he would always get a load of firewood and it, it turned into a business where, uh, he would tell my older brothers, he'd say, Hey guys, you ready to go hunting? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And, uh, they would go and they get in the, the truck and they'd be like, how come we got the chainsaws, <laughs> you know? And, and so, and so, you know, my, my dad just enjoyed being out in nature. Um, he, he taught us that that's a pretty special place and, uh, and it's where you can make a living. Um, and so I, it was a lot different back then. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of where we got, we, uh, it all started. That's so, introduction. um, yeah. So what outside of running the trap line and that's a grind, right? If he's he, out there, you know, harvesting, harvesting wood, um, running a trap line and with his, uh, construction company, man, that's, uh, that's a grind right there. So that's some lessons for a young man to see, you know, and I'm sure you guys were a part of that on the weekends outside of school and everything. That's important. lessons. Yeah. So, right. So as a kid, you know, kids, uh, friends of mine, they'd like to come out and, and hang out, you know, I'd say, Hey, come hang out at my house. So they'd come out and, uh, you know, some days we just spend all day splitting firewood. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> They're like, you know, don't, don't go to Joel's house because you'll just end up splitting firewood all day. You're working all day. And that's right. And so we, we were taught to work hard. Um, and, and yeah, so that's how my dad started his construction business was through, uh, he, he started out running trap lines and, and selling the, the fur and he would, he would, uh, he would do everything that it, he'd tan it and, and everything. Um, and then it started from there to, to splitting firewood, uh, going out and cutting and, and then splitting and then delivering it stacked. Um, then he would also clean the, the, the people's chimney. So it was a turnkey business, right? Um, and while he was doing that, he was working for the telephone company. And then, uh, 
he he got to the point to where he was able to to buy a few pieces of equipment through uh, the firewood business, and then that's how he started his construction company. And now the the construction company, my two oldest brothers run that company, and um, they employ uh, a lot of people, and it's a uh, it's turned into a a pretty a great business. So I, I've, in fact, I worked for uh, the, the construction company for about 12 years before I started one right here. And uh, so, you know, growing up, I, I've seen what it takes to start a business and I can take, and I can tell you, it takes a lot of hard work, takes a lot of sacrifice. And uh, those are things that, uh, you know, those are, those are, uh, aspects that people don't see. And so, yeah, that's how, uh, that's where I learned. What, uh, what in that value wise, I mean, it, you know, you could, you can say so many things, right. Um, what in that value wise, said to you when you decided to start one rate, Hey, Joel, you know, time to sharpen the ax and take this chance. So if, um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, the listeners may understand that in construction, uh, and it's, it's utility construction in, in fiber optics, you, you, uh, you spend a lot of time on the road. So, I spent a lot of time away from home, um, away from my family as my family was, you know, as I, my kids were growing and stuff. And that's just the nature of the business. And so, um, my other brother, uh, who's, who's about five years older than me, he owns a gun shop in Elko called Gum World and Archery. And we're all entrepreneurs in our family. Uh, that's just, I guess, in our blood. Um, it can be a blessing and a curse, okay? Um, anyways, he, he owns a, a business in Elko, Nevada, which is the, the gun shop. It's called Gum World and Archery. And, uh, and watching him uh, run that business, I learned quite a bit about uh, the sporting goods, or I thought I learned quite a bit about the sporting goods market. And, and so he, he would sell, um, camouflage clothing and, and so forth. And so I, There's a there's a lot to the story. I I could go on forever, but anyway, I I spent a lot of time away from home, and I was looking for a way to to be able to spend more time with my family and not be on the road all the time. And at that point in time, I was working in a place called Cokeville, Wyoming, which is uh, north of Logan, and I'll tell you that. That country up there is some of the most brutally cold country that 
I've ever been in. Um, we were doing a job over there and the temperature was in the negatives. You, you know, it's cold. It, it's very cold in a place when they refer to, uh, it being 30 outside, but they don't say the negative, right? They just say <laughs> it's 30. And, and so we were shut down working quite a while there because the the weather just didn't permit us to be able to work. And, and during this time, my wife was pregnant with um, my youngest daughter, Vale. And she was about six or seven months along at this point in time. And I would travel back and forth between Wyoming and we were, uh, living in Fallon, Nevada, which is by Reno and Reno. And I would go to the, the checkups for, uh, the baby. And so I was longing in Wyoming to be home as, uh, any, anyone who has children or a family can understand. And so I was looking to find a way, what could I do in order to uh, make this happen? And in Cokeville, Wyoming, during elk season, that town just shuts completely down. Everything shuts down because guess what everybody's going to do? They're going to go elk hunting. And so... I just watched trucks just go down the street and turn up the mountain there. And I thought, you know what, if I had something, if I had a product that I could sell these people, I could uh, make business. And, and I knew, I, I knew the market. Okay. I knew what companies were out there and I understood, I was taught that, in order to to start a business, you have to find a need and then fulfill that need, okay? And so I knew that there was a need for a company, an apparel company, a technical gear, clothing company in the hunting market to, to give the customer a better... Uh, a better price on their gear. And so knowing this, um, I decided that I, I was going to create a camouflage pattern. Okay. And, and so I started researching camouflage from the very conception, from the very beginning. And, clear through uh, modern day uh, camouflage techniques and so forth. Um, And there's a whole lot of uh, different, there's a lot to it. So because I couldn't understand all of it in such a short time, 
Um, the only aspect that I really could uh, understand is that a, a camouflage pattern has to be a pattern and repeat in order to uh, work, okay? Um, because a camouflage pattern can't start and then stop and then start again because where it stopped and started, you would have a seam. And a seam is a line. And in nature, nothing's straight in nature or square. If it's straight or it's square, it's man-made. Okay. And, and so learning this, I, I thought, well, what can I use? Well, during this time, I traveled back to Reno and I went to one of our, uh, one of our doctor's appointments uh, with my wife and our daughter was breached. She was backwards. And so they were going to attempt to turn her, um, which was unsuccessful. They ended up having to do a C-section, but during that appointment, um, you know, I was, I was looking for something that had a natural pattern of repeat and on the, the, heartbeat monitor uh, first I, I i heard that little heart beating and i thought you know what i says there's my pattern right there and so uh that was it was it was kind of a revelation almost as to uh one rate gear and and the the camouflage pattern and everything so what we did is is we took a portion of her EKG and we we took that and overlaid that and uh, interconnected it and developed the the one rate veil after my daughter her name the one rate veil pattern and <clears throat> so when when this took place. Um, you know, I'm not a computer genius by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. And so luckily, um, I found uh, um, my graphic designer. His name is Brad Warren. And he is a very talented individual in computer graphics and animation and so forth. And uh, I brought to him the idea. And then he helped me. Uh, build uh, this camouflage pattern and so uh, after we were we were done building the pattern uh, I applied for a design patent from the USPTO and we received a, a, a patent for its design uh, because it's unlike any other camouflage pattern on the market Unlike, so. absolutely unlike anything. And that's what caught my eye in Utah as we were walking by and I go, look at this kind of like that pattern. And some of the neutral tones you guys are using are a little bit softer in that pattern as well. Uh, but that's what drew me to the booth there at the, uh, at the Utah show, man. It's, you know, definitely a unique pattern. And then when you look at, you know, the ability it has to, and, and I'm saying this from a potential standpoint, right? Cause I've never run it. Um, but the ability it has to break up 
and just knowing, you know, the little bit that I know behind that, um, it just makes sense. Just absolutely made sense to me when I saw it. Yeah, it's a it's a very effective pattern. In fact, um, and and Brad can uh, testify to this. Um, we spent so much time on the colorway. Uh, we probably changed it over thirty times. He would, he's about ready to kill me by the end. Um, but yeah, we incorporated eight colors, whereas a lot of camouflage patterns they only run you know, three to five, uh, colors, uh, we, we did eight and it was a lot of work, but, um, we covered a lot of different terrain and we, we did our very best in order to, uh, incorporate the colors that, uh, we saw fit for a lot of different terrains. And the camouflage pattern can't, uh, it can't help but work because of uh, just the laws of nature. Um, in nature, everything repeats. It's just a law of nature. You have, you have macro patterns, which is, uh, you could say, is like the base of a tree would be a macro pattern. Uh, where where the the tree splits at where it branches off at the trunks, okay, is a pattern, and then clear down to where the the branches and the twigs come off is a pattern. It's a, all a pattern of repeat, and so clear down to the leaf, the 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 leaves, uh, the the veins and the leaves. Um, nature has its own uh, pattern of repeat and so uh, by incorporating the waveforms from an EKG line and, and using those to, to help you um, the, the textures help you adapt to nature just works it flat out works and how I judge that it works is is not by a scientific um formula but it's by real real hunting you know it's by a guy saying hey i just killed a 390 bull that was staring right at me hey your camo works you know that's how i justify it practical application um, that's right is guys wearing it in the field and saying hey you know what we're having coyotes coming in uh, closer than we've ever had before. Um, and so um, the the proof is in the pudding. So how do you, how do you compete? Um, and again, I'm not trying to belittle anything, but as a startup, if you will, right? Uh, one guy with a idea, with a passion, with a dream how do you compete with some of the big brand marketing that has, you know, what, what would seem to be uh, endless financial um, backing, right? How do, you, how do you put your foot through that door or do you just kick down the door and say, I'm here? <laughs> well, 
Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, if we compete, you know, um, I think that it's a big market and, and honestly, I, I believe that, um, see, see hunting is the new rich man sport. Okay. Um, at least that's, that's what they, they think. Um, and so I, I believe that, you know, when I was growing up and, and I, and I know that a lot of hunters can associate themselves with this as well. Uh, hunting was just a way of life. Okay. It was work, right? You, you just went hunting to fill the freezer. Uh, you went hunting to spend time with your family. You went hunting to get out into nature. You didn't go hunting to get famous. You didn't go hunting to, <laughs> you know, uh, gain followers. Uh, you didn't, you didn't go, you didn't crack open a, a, a thing of energy powder and dump in a drink to, you know, hike up a mountain. All right. Right. You just got after it. Hunt, hunting was just a way of life. And so, um, you know, I believe that there's enough, there's enough guys out there in the real world that, that would like to have a little bit more personable, personal relationship with, with a company that they give their money to and, and be recognized, not just as a number, but as a person. And, and so that's, that's where I, I believe, um, we're going to succeed is, is we take great care of our customers. You know, I, it's, it's my job to take care of the people that are wearing one rate gear. And so I don't have a problem taking some time out of my day to spend with each and every customer and, and make sure that they get the right gear for them. They understand how it's, how it works. Um, follow up with them on, on aspects that could be uh, changed and, and how we can improve. Um, and also given them uh, prices that are fair you know there's there's a lot of people that hunt that go out into the back country that are real hunters that work very very hard for their money and i believe that it's important that we give them the 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 best deal that we can on technical hunting gear that will work for them and so we're that's that's how we're succeeding that's that's uh that's the whole um that's one of the focuses that that we have in our business so do you think and 
and I, I'm, I'm just going to admit that I'm guilty of it, right? You, you look at a price point of something, right? And we hear things like, oh, you get what you pay for, um, things of that nature. But do you think price point is something that is used in that decision-making process? Because, yeah, I, I value a company that is going to give me that personal relationship, um, that takes, you know, every customer as serious as the next, whether it's a, you know, quote, air quotes, you know, professional hunter, or, you know, if you talk about social media, the popular guys, that's a big deal. But do you think price point pays a a lot into the decision-making process there? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think it does. Um, but the here's the problem that I see is uh, is I see uh, I know some people that that can buy certain gear at a highly highly discounted price, okay, and then you you have some guys who work very hard for their money, who wake up every day, provide for their families, and so forth, that have to pay a premium. For it, I don't. I don't see that being right, and so that's where we come in. Is hey, guess what? We're not just giving the guides and outfitters deals. We're giving everybody else who works hard for their money deals on their gear too, and it's good gear that will work for them. And and we make sure of it because we test it ourselves. We build it, and we make sure that it works. And so that's. That's how I feel. So that was um, one of the first things that I did. I saw the pattern um, rolling around with my let them fly buddies. And I said, hey, Mac, Johnny, look at this, man. Look at this pattern. And the first thing I did was flip the pants inside out and start looking at the seams and pulling and tugging and the knee pockets, you know, pulling and tugging. And I was like, this is solid. This is this is really good gear. Um, in my comparison, so I've, I've been running Sitka for years years and years right um some really good technical gear but i pay out of my arse for it um it is expensive and i'm you know and i'm that guy right i'm up at four in the morning if it's that late and headed off to my day job as a construction superintendent um it's pricey man it's pricey so to hear that that is part of the one rate story is a big deal, right? I mean, and I think that if more of us stop looking past the price point and start looking at the companies and looking at what they believe in and what they mean and not following a trend or a fad, not to say that that's why I did it. Um, I, I, it's pretty important. So to hear that stuff, man, I'm, yeah, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. So if you had to, I'm gonna put you on the spot. So let's elevator pitch it, right? Elevator pitch one rate. If you had a minute of opportunity to say, this is why you should be in one rate. Give us your elevator pitch. <laughs> elevator. I don't know if I've ever pitched in an elevator. before. <laughs> so um, you're going from the first floor to the 14th, man. That's the time. You yeah. Have. <laughs> well, um, all, all I could say is that, uh, that we've done our homework on, on our, on our gear. We, we make sure that it works. Um, you'll be satisfied in the field and 
that we 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 back all of our gear the same and so you know what hunting hunt, hunting is a a pretty uh can be a pretty gnarly uh you can put your clothes through pretty gnarly situations okay um and so we we make sure that our gear will hold up and on top of all of that okay you talk about the fad thing um yeah get camouflage is almost used as a status symbol okay i won't i won't beat around it um if you wear this gear you're you're a good hunter that's kind of the perception um excuse my language that's a horseshit perception by the way <laughs> right that, that's right and so um you know what we we understood that i understood that as well but that's not why i created the one rate pattern right uh, i created one rate pattern because that gave me my foot into the industry and but here's the great thing about the one rate pattern is is the one one rate pattern uh means a little bit more than just a camouflage pattern it's it's an actual uh it it's it's a dream it, it's my dream it's uh it it means it means it has a meaning to it uh one rate um Basically, one rate stands for uh, what's inside you. You know, it's 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 heart. It's how much heart you have. Uh, you know, people can measure your height. People can measure your weight. People can measure uh, how fast you are, um, what you can run a mile in, how much you can bench press. But people can't measure heart, right? And so. That is what one rate stands for. And so we use heart to build our pattern. And so that's the fad we're going with. Um, we're going with, hey, you know what? Um, we, we understand our customers. Uh, we know that our customers can um, associate themselves with our brand, that they can, they can, uh, what word am I looking for here? It's the four hunters by hunters, you know, started by a blue collared guy for a blue collared guy. <laughs> yeah. They, right? I mean, they that's can, what it amounts to. I, I you know, I, the heart part yeah. of it made it, it kind of, you know, was like, Ooh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. They can, um, relate you know they uh everybody everybody has a pump station uh there right everybody has a pump station and so um it's a it's a brand that that people can relate with and and for anybody who's who's ever been on a hellacious hunt can definitely relate with it you know and and whether they're they're, uh, um, whether they're successful or not, 
um, it doesn't matter because it's, uh, it's kind of what you leave in the field, you know, that's what matters. It's not so much about if you kill the biggest deer or if you, um, you know, shoot, shoot the big, the biggest elk. It's more about the hunt. It's more about the time that you spend out there, the memories that you make and how hard you push yourself. Um, as long as you leave it all out there, uh, that satisfaction still exists. And so that's what one rate gear is, is, uh, that's what we we signify is the grit is the part. Yep, that's right. That's the grit, and, and that's and I've said it on other episodes, man. There is so much more to the hunt than the harvest or the kill, depending on what state you're in. <laughs> um, but the values <laughs> and the lessons, and you know, the mental fortitude and the growth that you find in the field is really what it's about, right? I mean, the harvest, the kill, depending on which state you're in again, um, is just icing on the cake, right? It, it it gives you that satisfaction. But man, at the end of the day, you know, tag punched or not, you turn around and like you said, you left it all out, all out on the mountain. That's, man, that's a, that's a huge statement, man. <laughs> that is a huge statement. So just out of curiosity, what does one rate mean? Is there story behind so, the name or yeah there there really is um so growing up you know as i mentioned my my family hunting was just kind of what we did and um and so <clears throat> you know as 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 many individuals understand and can relate with um because that's what we did it just wasn't a big deal right it's just um it's just how life was and so um we we spent a lot of our time uh out in the country but but one of my other huge uh my my real passion growing up as a as a kid and and throughout my uh adolescence and and early adulthood was football um was sports i loved football i loved basketball and i just loved to compete and one of the reasons why i, I loved it so much is because i i had a lot of good friends that i played with whom i'm still great friends with to this day and they uh and certain individuals uh have have played a integral part in my life uh because of of sports and so when i i played i played football through through high school i i broke my leg my senior year uh, the sixth game of the season and we had a very good football team we had four or five guys that had d1 scholarships cup guys uh good buddies of mine went and played at boise state uh started all four years on that line back in the early 2000s and that's when they kind of started their run as the boise states that everybody knows today 
Um, and I, I had a few scholarships to play football, um, at different D ones. Uh, but I, I couldn't, uh, accept those scholarships because I didn't get good enough grades. I didn't have the, uh, good enough grade point average. So I had to attend the JC, a junior college. And I played football at a, a school called, uh, junior college down in St. George, Utah called Dixie state. And I played a year there and, uh, I didn't take care of my business and I ended up, uh, only playing one year. And so I ended up back in Nevada working for my older brothers. And it was just kind of like, you know, all of a sudden, playing football living my dream then all of a sudden it's over with right i'm standing with a shovel in my hands okay and so i was pretty lost there because i didn't know how to do much of anything because i was betting everything on football okay and so I ended up eventually, I, I met my wife. Uh, she, she kind of, it's a good thing. That's probably the smartest thing that I've ever done is, is met her for sure. Know that feeling. Um, and, and so I, I, uh, I said, you know what, because I, I didn't, I shot a, I shot a deer when I was 12. Okay. Because that's the first year you can apply in Nevada. And then I would go hunting, but I, I never would apply because football was that important to me. Okay. I'm when I'm the, have the personality, when I find something that I like, that's all I do. Addictive personality, I, man. I'm, I'm 100% in. And so, um, I mean, I, I would go hunting. My brothers had hounds. We'd run, run, run dogs and, and, uh, you know, just the normal, but I, I never harvest an animal, uh, until I was 20, uh, 24 years old. Okay. And so, um, I applied for a deer tag, got a deer tag and, uh, I went out and a good friend of mine, who's a, a biologist for Endel, the Nevada division of wildlife. I went out with him and, and uh, killed a decent buck, and it it almost brought back that same uh, feelings that when I was playing football I would have of uh, success, you know, fulfillment, um, because you work hard for it, and when you're successful, it it's worth it. And when you're not successful, it's still worth it, right? Um, it gives you an avenue to to let loose. And so um, at that point, I was, you know, I was, okay, I thought I found, I, I, I reconnected. And so <clears throat> the, the following year, um, I drew another deer tag killed killed another deer with rifle um and then 
the year after that, I applied and, and I drew an elk tag in Nevada and a desert sheep tag in the same year. Okay. And that's a pretty big deal. Um, so my, my older brother, um, my oldest brother, Richard, he, he, uh, uh, my older brothers are great hunters. Uh, they, they really are. They're, they're awesome. Um, and to be honest, as I grew up, I kind of relied on them quite a bit, you know, (laughs) when you have older brothers that are great hunters, uh, it, it makes it pretty easy on you. And, and so he took me out and we went on a hellacious hunt. It was colder than heck and everything worked out right. And I ended up killing a, a, a nice six point bull. He scored in the three forties and, and I shot him with one shot. Right. And the two deer prior to, uh, that elk I had killed with one shot and I'm shooting the 300 wind mag that my dad bought me when I was 12, right. That I shot my first deer with. And so, and I killed that deer with one shot. And so I thought, you know what? One shot. I was like, that'd be a pretty cool brand. Right. And so then we went on uh, the desert sheep hunt, and um, a, a good friend of ours that lives in Fallon, Nevada. There's a lot of big uh, guys that just love to hunt desert sheep uh, here in Fallon, Nevada. We went and uh, we killed on an 11 year old ram. Okay. And he wasn't real big, but he was real old. And uh, uh, in hindsight, that is uh, a trophy, a really great trophy. Anyways, he didn't take me one shot, okay? Um, but the how, how one rate came about is at first I, I was going to name it one shot gear. Okay. And I thought that that was a good name because uh, you only get kind of in a lot of aspects in life, you only get one shot. And, and you can uh, associate that with hunting as far as, uh, you know, a tag of a lifetime, you may only have one shot. Uh, you, you may only have one shot at a desert sheep. And so, um, as I, I, I continued the process of trademarking the, um, the brand, um, I, one shot I, I couldn't do. And so at that point I had to find another name for uh the brand and so i thought well how about one beat i wanted to keep one 
because one means victory. Okay. Um, and so I thought, well, what about one beat? Well, we couldn't do one beat because the beats headphones. Okay. Oh, no way. Right. Right. Yeah. It, and they're coming down hard on everybody that used beat. And so then at that point, my only other option was rate, uh, because of a heart rate. I thought, you know what? Uh, it's a, our pattern is a heart rate. So why not one rate? And so that's how uh, we came up with the name for one rate gear. So one of the things that I noticed, uh, after we met and, you know, looking at, uh, your webpage and just reading the story, um, was, and I, I believe you said it when we talked as well, but sharing, sharing our passion to serve others, that is a powerful statement and give us, give us your, your take on that, your insight, um, and why that's important to you. Well, I believe that's kind of the only thing that we can really take with us, right? Um, that's, uh, that's kind of why we're all here is, uh, to, to help one another. And, um, in hunting, especially elk hunting, um, there's, there's a lot of service that is given because in the early season, it is damn near impossible for somebody to pack an elk out of the back country and uh, by themselves and for the meat not to spoil. Okay. And so most often what happens is if somebody kills an animal way back in there, you get a phone call and the phone call says, Hey, get your kids or get your buddies and come back. This is where I am and help me uh, pack this, this animal out. And so that's just a, that's just a, uh, that's just one, one, uh, one way that you could look at, uh, service, you know, um, but, but it, it, it's also, I, I believe hunting, uh, is really important because it can, it can change people's lives. It can, it can change their whole perception of life by taking them hunting. Um, and that's a service that, that, uh, is, is pretty important when you, um, when you look at it to the point of changing somebody's life, uh, by taking them hunting and their outlook on everything, uh, that's, that's pretty valuable. So what is, and, what is a one rate hunter? One rate hunter. Um, I think one rate hunter is, uh, is somebody who, uh, you know, has the values and, and, and hunts with his heart, you know. He he does everything with his heart. With his heart, that's uh, that's 
that's the measure of a man is a is one rate hunter it's it's how much uh how big their heart is and and the ability not to give up uh, no matter the odds um it's the blood the sweat the tears right it's it's uh sacrifice and and that's the one rate lifestyle um and the one rate hunter uh you can just take and uh incorporate all those values right into hunting and that's one rate hunter it's it's taking it's taking time out of your day to uh maybe help help somebody who who uh needs help um hunting or or uh you know giving advice um or uh you know helping somebody who's in need and and i believe that the hunting community um they're uh they're it's a pretty great community pretty real people you know that that uh, look at life um that understand life to be uh, real, you know, you, you can't, it, it, it can't get any more real than shooting an animal. Uh, and processing it. And having that uh relationship um with with one of the the uh one of god's creatures and that's something that's missed right that's missed by a lot of people that don't maybe agree or understand um or don't see any value in what we in what we do um, as hunters, right? I mean, that's something that's, that's vastly missed, unfortunately. Yeah. There's nobody there. There's no organization in the world that does as much for wildlife and for, uh, the protection of the wild places than, than the the people and the organizations involved in hunting um until until you you have blood up to your elbows you 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 will never have the the outlook or the respect that a hunter will have for that beast and and when you go to the supermarket and you buy your meat, when you go to Costco and you see just the the amount of flesh that is being sold, you will you will look at that completely different. And I believe that there are more and more people that are starting to understand that than ever. And and so it's pretty it's a pretty awesome thing. Yeah, it is that to have that connection. And and again, it's something that people vastly misunderstand, right? 
but to have that connection with what's in the freezer um, and it being on the table to, you know, feed your family, that connection is unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. So what, uh, what are the offerings from one rate? What do we have? We have base layers. We have um, early season gear, mid season, late season. What are, what are some of the offerings? Okay. So, so what we have, um, this is what we're offering is, is we just came out with a uh, three piece early season set of gear. Um, it's an early to mid season pant, a uh, hooded half zip shirt and a soft shelled jacket. And it's built using a highly breathable, uh, 100% polyester Jersey material. Um, we tested this material and it is super durable, super tough. Um, uh, we've, we've had it treated with an antimicrobial treatment so a guy can wear it in the back country or, or wherever they're at for, for days and it, and it won't stink. Um, and so that, that is our early season set. Then we have what we call the five piece mid to late season set. And that consists of a hooded jacket, a mid to late pant, a vest, and a base layer bottom, and a base layer top. And what we're using uh, with all of that gear is all uh, synthetic materials. Our base layers really wick the moisture. Uh, our mid to late base layers wick the moisture like nobody's business. And that's how we sell it at these expos and stuff is we actually get one of the shirts uh, soaking wet. And then we, we have people fill it. We say, hey, fill this shirt. And they're like, man, that is wet. We're like, okay, fill the inside. And they're like, wow, that's dry. We say, exactly. You know, that's exactly what you want your base to do in the colder uh, temperatures, you know. Um, we, we know that when you exert energy, when you're hiking, uh, when you're pulling a stock or, or uh, uh, so forth, you're going to be sweaty. And you never want to be caught wet on the mountain. And so our base layers really wick the moisture from your body uh, super well. Um, it, the mid to late gear is completely windproof. And uh, what we found is that is the number one, uh, one of the, the number one uh, things that... Um, is important uh for a hunter is is keeping themselves out of the wind it's highly water resistant um almost to the degree that it is waterproof and and so people can read the reviews on our gear and they will see that uh the guys that are running our gear are super satisfied uh, we've done our homework um you know we're real hunters that test or test the gear and uh, I'm only one man, but I make sure and, and uh, make friends with a bunch of guys who are just crazy avid hunters that, that help, uh, help design and build uh, one rate gear 
so that it satisfies, uh, you know, a variety of, of people and their needs as far as hunting. Yeah. Right, because, I mean, if you look at Western hunting, right, we're pretty diverse, man. You guys are there in Nevada. You got uh, everything from, you know, backcountry to desert plains. Um, I'm yep. in California and I have, you know, backcountry to desert plains to rolling hills on the central coast. And and for me, that pattern, and, and that's one of the things that I look for, right, with, with the diversity I have in the state and then I, I do a, a bit of out-of-state hunting is – having a pattern that is has the ability for me to do all my in-state hunting and then go out of state and and be able to test there as well right i mean that's a big a big big deal um without yeah. that diversity right you're spending money and and i already said what gear you know i've been running so to spend that kind of money um and not have something that's diverse is uh yeah, I mean you're you know you're not buying tags because you're buying you're buying different sets of gear. Yeah, we're making it simple for the hunter. You know, we're we're saying, hey, this is uh, what's important in the the mid to late season is your base layer and your outer. Those are the two most important layers. You're you're going to want something that wicks that moisture from your body to keep you dry on the mountain. And you're going to want something to keep yourself out of the elements. You know what you uh, you can layer anything in between, but those those two layers are are super important. Um, in the early season gear, uh, the the early season bow hunter and muzzleloader hunters they they wanted something that was highly breathable. They wanted something that necessarily didn't wake the moisture but uh, didn't stick to them, that dried out, that breathed really well, and then a way for them to be able to keep themselves out of the sun um, as far as, uh, you know, having sleeves that uh, could keep your arms out of the sun and a hood to keep your ears and the sun off the back of your neck. Um, and then uh, they, they wanted, because a bow hunter spends vast amount of time time on their knees they wanted uh knee pads but they wanted knee pads that they could uh remove if they they weren't uh being used and so that's what we did with our pants and we put real knee pads in there not knee pads to cover just your kneecap but an actual knee pad that is built for the duration of the hunt you know you could live on your knees in those pants and the other important um, aspect that people uh, were wanting was they, there's a lot of uh, gear out there that is super lightweight, but with lightweight, you don't have uh, much durability. And so what we tried to conquer is we we tried to do super lightweight and breathable, but also heck of durable, uh, very durable. And so we've, we've got a pant that weighs one pound and um, we designed this pant to be able to be put through the ringer. So we're excited to see what our hunters think of this pant. I've already tested it myself and and uh, I was 
happy with it. And I have a good friend of mine who's a avid bow hunter. He's a cowboy. Basically, all he does is run cows and bow hunts, you know, and he spends a lot of time out there. And he helped me design these pants. Um, his name's Dennis Lee. So those are our offerings um, at, as of right now. And uh, we're, we're excited for this upcoming season. So it's awesome. So what, and to me, it's important to understand it. So what animal makes you tick, right? So we understand what you're chasing and the situations that you're, that you're putting yourself in primarily with your gear. Um, what's your animal? What's your, I got to chase it every year, no matter where, or what, you know, what I have to do, but this is my animal. Well, I think mule deer, um, for the West is, is probably the most popular. Um, and for, for me, I mean, you just put in for a mule deer tag. That's, uh, but, but also elk, I think it, it just depends, you know, it's like, what's well, your favorite food? Well, you know, <laughs> it, you need a variety, right? Right. And right. so I can tell you that, uh, hunt, hunting sheep is, is, uh, is pretty, pretty dang awesome. Uh, they are unbelievable animals. When you go on a sheep hunt, you, uh, you really, um, understand how exotic that animal is uh especially a desert sheep um and and then of course elk elk hunting is 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 a a great experience as well when you shoot a big elk and then when you actually get uh, up to it then you realize how big that animal is and it's pretty overwhelming and uh that is good meat too and and so i think it just all depends on uh you know what what you're what you're uh hunting for me you know um i i think that all all of the animals have their own unique characteristics as far as uh as far as the uh, the hunt is concerned, and and being able to uh, find them in their own habitat and and then uh, make it happen, so um, I don't really have a favorite species. It's the I appreciate them all. Yeah, the lure of them all. Uh, for That's me, right. man, I'm, right now it's elk, 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 and more elk. I'm just on this thing, right. man, and I can't get enough. Yeah. There's well, something about chasing them with a bow that just has floored me. Yeah, that is really cool. That That is that's that is a great experience being out there during the rut and, and hearing them um, bugle and yell and, and, and push the the cows and yeah, that is an amazing time of year. No doubt about it. No doubt. So yeah, um, we're, we're, we're going to have a gator. We're working on a gator. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then as you know, we're working with 
Caleb Newton with County Six Predator Calls and Packs. Um, he's working on a day pack that is going to connect to his County Six Predator uh, harness. And so um, it's been great working with Caleb Newton. Uh, he's an, that guy is a, an avid hunter from Wyoming. He loves to shoot coyotes and he loves to elk hunt. He loves to mule deer hunt. He just is, he loves to hunt. And so it's been great working with him. Um, and so those are, those are the new products. Yeah. I talked to Caleb a couple days ago, so he'll air probably a week before your episode. Um, and hearing his story and, and then how you guys made a connection, man, it was uh, pretty inspirational. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see, uh, see his new day pack coming out. So, um, one thing that we touch on, on our try to touch on every episode is, is conservation, man. So I call it the conservation quick, um, give us your take on conservation, the importance and how we, how you think we should be affecting conservation in a positive way. Yeah. Conservation is, is very important. Um, without it, we don't have, uh, hunting <laughs> and, and so hunting is conservation. I'm sure you've heard that saying, and it really is. There's, uh, hunting does more for, uh, protection of animals and uh, making sure their numbers are healthy than uh, any other type of organization or activity um, in the world. And so uh, what I see uh, that's hugely important is in Nevada, we've had some pretty uh, damaging wildfires that have uh, burned up a lot of our country. And so I believe that that's one um, area that needs to be addressed is uh, uh, different ways to uh, handle these wildfires and, um, and different uh, methods for making sure that they don't burn up too much country. Um, I understand that fire uh, can be a good thing, um, but in uh, certain situations, I believe that it's very detrimental to uh, the wildlife and um, the, uh, the habitat. And, and so, um, I, I think that that is something that, that hunters and anglers and, uh, anybody who enjoys spending time outdoors, uh, needs to, uh, needs to make sure they, they are aware of. Would you say that the fire is a detriment or the lack of management? And, and this could be a misunderstanding on my part, but I'm looking at it from, you know, where I live and there's not much done to control some of the 
overgrowth in the undergrowth. Um, so we have, you know, areas that are already squeezing animals out because of all the overgrowth, right? There's nothing new really growing. You don't have those, you know, uh, protein rich food sources. So the animals are already getting pushed out, but with the, the threat of fire with that overgrowth, it just decimates landscape, right? I, and to me, at least my opinion of it is, if there was more time spent in managing that, and I understand that that's, you know, tax dollars and, and financial decisions that are made by, you know, states and whatnot. Um, but that seems to play a huge role in some of these larger fires is the fact that there's no real land management, um, you know, no controlled burns. There's, you know, I shouldn't say no, but... Um, the lack of enough controlled burns and, and the importance in that stuff to help that habitat and to help that wildlife. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think that every area is different, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, Nevada is different than California. California is different than Idaho and Idaho is different than Utah. California is different than most places. <laughs> <laughs> California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and it, it's sad. It's sad seeing those fires and the devastation that they they've had on the people, you know, in California, you know, that that is very sad to see people losing their homes and and dying in these fires. And uh, yeah, that there's definitely uh, they need to um, make some changes there for sure, um, because ultimately it's the people that are the most important. Right. Um, I laugh when I see these commercials on TV about, you know, $15 a month to save these dogs. Um, you know, I, I say, you know, what about all the people that are suffering? You know, I, I understand. I love dogs too, but, um, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's put our resources, uh, to work in the areas that are are needed and and those areas that best suit the, uh the various situations and so um in nevada we don't have a lot of uh areas with timber and so forth and so when you see those areas burn uh it leaves a sour taste in your mouth and, um, and not only that, uh, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of wildlife that, um, is affected by that. Um, and so every area is different and I believe it's important that as sportsmen and hunters and outdoorsmen and anglers, that we all uh, are aware of uh, the situations, uh, especially in your own uh, where where you live, and um, help to uh, find better methods um, as far as uh, conserving these lands. Anything we missed that you want to get out there about one rate, about hunting, about the outdoor experience? No. 
No, I think maybe you need to delete half of what I said, but <laughs> Every, everybody, everybody says that, man. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of weird doing it. Um, you know, the first, the first time, especially, um, but no, I think there's a, there's a ton of value in, in just about everything that I heard, man. Um, and that's one thing about this platform that I'm, I'm trying to bring that kind of stuff to light. Right. Right. We don't want the hype. We want, we want the everyday story, man, that the value, the passion, you know, it's just so important, man. So don't, yeah, don't discount what you said. I think it's important. Very important. Well, uh, uh, I mean, no matter what I say, as soon as I open my mouth, I'm not going to be any cooler. That's for sure. <laughs> so I know the feeling. <laughs> you know, one rate gear is a pretty badass brand. That's just that's just what it is. And so, yeah, I'm I'm stoked to to work with, um, to to have visited with and look forward to working with the the Let Them Fly guys. Yeah, um, Max, a, Max, a really good dude, man. Really, yeah. Good. Yeah, they their passion, man. I, I love to see that, and and I believe that's a that's a big demographic too, as far as, um, you know, Mac, you know, just getting into hunting and stuff. Uh, uh that that's important for, you know, his his family and and his kids and and it's just something that whether whether or not you know your your kids decide that that's for them at least they have the opportunity to to do it and and decide for themselves and and they may fall back on that you know i think everybody does at some point right i mean it it's there's a lot of lure away from it uh especially you know like where where we live well mac you know he's go he's moving to Oregon here pretty quick, but um, it, it's just not something that gets a lot of attention. There's a lot of distractions, um, and, and it's not it's not prevalent, right? It's not it, to me. It's not as prevalent as it should be. There's just not enough exposure to you know not just hunting, but the outdoor life in general. When you yep. grow up around glass and concrete, man, it's it's something else, you know. So they don't. There's not enough time. It's a. a uh, unfair imbalance when you look at it from, you know, from our seat and we know the value and there's more to, you know, there's more to hunting than again, than, you know, punching that tag, man. So, yeah, I, I hope that, uh, his venture causes people to look at it, um, yeah, differently. And, and he draws some more folks into it. It's just, you know, he has a big opportunity and, and a big heart, um, and if you haven't heard the episode, if you want to laugh, um, take a listen. I to the listened episode. to it, dude. I listened <laughs> to it. And the Chinese guy came out of the bushes. Oh man, that was! Dude, I tell I you, couldn't what, believe that. <laughs> that was one of the funnest days in all my years of hunting that I've ever had in the woods. I mean, we we laughed and laughed and laughed that entire day, man. I mean, it, it, the memory of that day will live with me forever. I love telling that story. I've listened to <laughs> my own damn podcast on that one five, six times, man. It was, that was, it was just phenomenal. 
I know. I, I laughed. I listened to it when I was driving from Elko to Fallon. And I only I only got partway through it because then I lost service. But I did get that part. And I just, I could picture that in my head. Oh, man. I was like, oh, <laughs> I got my a big, gosh. I got a big grin on my face right now because it was it was the weirdest thing, man, to see this guy. I mean, to the area that he came through, it, we struggled getting through it, right? So to see this guy, it was something else, man. It was it was something else. In his it was flops. Yeah, he was in. He had Crocs on, man. It was so funny. <laughs> and the area that we're in, it is not. I, I'm not going to even say it's difficult to get in. It is. It is a pain in the butt to get in. And this dude walked in and I'm like, man, we're all geared up. We got these boots on. This guy walks in with Crocs. <laughs> it was great, man. It was so it was such a good experience, man. Such you a know, good experience. You, one thing about it is when you don't know any different, um, as far as your shoes are concerned or your clothing, it's not a big deal. You could right. you could hike to the top of Everest, right? Um kind of like i went on a mountain goat hunt my brother drew a mountain goat hunt up in the ruby mountains and dude i hiked clear up to eleven thousand feet blue jeans and and a pair of danner boots with my socks showing through the bottom <laughs> you know um and my brother farns who owns the gun gun shop says you know he's like looks at my shoes and he's like oh my gosh you know, how are you hiking? And he has Kenetrex on. I'm just like, man, I love these boots. They're like, they're like moccasins, you know? But, the soles were thin as. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, but when you don't know any different, heck, you could go anywhere in anything. And But then as soon as you, you wear the right equipment, you're like, man, I, I could never go back. And realistically, right at the end of the day, that's what the, you know, technical gear is supposed to do. It's not, it doesn't make, and we, we called horseshit on it earlier, but it doesn't make you a better hunter. Um, what it does is it allows you to, and it sounds cliche, excuse me, but it allows you to get out there further if that's your choice and stay out there longer, be comfortable and really pursue it um, to a level that makes you happy, right? And, and, and gives you the satisfaction, um, you get out there with a pair of bad boots, man, and and especially like you said, once you know, then you know that's all you can think about. Man, my feet are killing me, you know, or I'm cold, you know, or I'm wet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's really what what all this gear is designed to do. Well, yeah, I mean, you can get into some pretty tough situations back there too, where uh, you know it's life and death situations. You get caught and you're wet on the mountain, you'll die. If you get turned around and you get lost and you're wet on the mountain and you can't find your camp or your four-wheeler and you have clouds that blow over and it uh, dips down to, you know, 30 degrees and there's a wind, uh, you easily can suffer from hypothermia and die. And so, you know, those are... Those are the important, uh, the important parts of having the right gear is to be prepared. And <clears throat> honestly, some people just don't understand because they've never worn the right gear before. And 
And so what you don't, what you've never experienced, it's hard for you to understand. And yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right. So cool, man. I will, uh, post the one rate website in the show notes. Um, but if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do, uh, go about that? Excuse me. They can get a hold of me at uh, one rate gear at gmail.com or they can get a hold of uh, me on the social media, uh, our one rate gear Instagram page or one rate gear Facebook page. And my phone number is on the onerategear.com and they can also send a message through onerategear.com so uh, there's a bunch of different ways to get a hold of me but I make it that way because it's my job so I hope so to make questions, sure questions um, on the apparel uh, welcome to answer anything that you know people may have as they're listening to this Yep. Question sizing, uh, whatever questions they have, be happy to answer for them. Wonderful. Well, I greatly appreciate the time and thank you for sharing your story. Uh, the one rate story. Um, the time is, you know, beyond appreciated, man. Thank you for sitting down with me. Yeah, you're welcome guy. It was, it was a good time. Appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. To learn more about One Rate Gear and to check out their full line of products, head over to OneRateGear.com or catch up with Joel on Instagram at OneRateGear. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.